Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2007. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've been there so many times for the SEMA shows, and today we're talking tech with a very special guest by the name of Chris Pichet. Chris, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Thanks, Mark. Let's shake and bake. All right. I love it. So before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about some very cool techie things that you're working on, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Chris? Uh, well, in my misspent youth, I imported classic. I see on the uh, on the wall behind you there, you've got a, a picture of, a, I guess, a classic 911. I used to import classic Porsches from uh, Japan uh, to Canada, where I was born and grew up. No way. Oh yes. my gosh. Yeah. Well, that painting on the wall behind me is from a Russian listener here on Cars. Yeah. Who does beautiful paintings. And that's me in my car. So oh, that's your 911. Yeah. Your classic 911. My listeners know it as my orange crush. It's a paint to sample car, all original, very unique color. Only three cars were painted that color. It's a metallic orange, but that artist's name is Eve Passiontev. Uh, that's I-V-P-A-S-H-E-N-T-S-E-V. You can find them on Facebook. I want to get back to these cars you were importing because what era were you importing cars and what kind of Porsches were you importing? I'm uh, I'm pretty tall. I'm about six foot five. Wow. Yeah. Of course, when I was in college, I think I had a I had a Chevy Nova that just wouldn't quit. But eventually I got out of college and started working and had a little bit of money. And so I wanted to upgrade my my car, but being you know six foot five, and especially at that time, a few years back now, you know, finding a car that met my um, let's say my wants in terms of you know speed, performance, etc., but also met my needs in terms of you know accommodating my my frame, that was a difficult problem. And uh, eventually, I, I came across and settled on a Porsche nine twenty eight. Oh. Okay, that's a pretty cool car. Yeah, and so when I, I started buying them just around the time when Porsche stopped producing them, so in the early to mid-90s, and uh, I was living in Vancouver at the time, so your neighbor just to the north. Yep. And, uh, you know, there, just, there weren't a lot of weren't a lot of 928s kicking around Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, eventually I found that, uh, you know, there were, there were companies or services in Japan that would take these very low mileage, you know, gently used, well-maintained, you know, sort of high-end vehicles and uh, auction or sell those off for, uh, you know, I guess uh, what seemed like a reasonable price at the time. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's very cool. Well, you know, that car was such a interesting car for Porsche and I did get to drive one when they first came out and I was really surprised at how much I liked it because I was always had been a 911 fan and those yeah. were weird. They had the engine in the front, they were water cold, they were kind of, yeah. kind of goofy looking, 
But yeah. Uh, yeah, very cool. And this this must have been about the time too where the I don't know about Canadian uh, money, but the U.S. money and the yen. There was a time period where you could buy stuff for really cheap out of Japan, and then it did yeah. a big flip flop. But Japan was also buying in the eighties a whole bunch of Ferraris and high end collectible cars at the same time. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. The currency was was working in my favor at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I started with. Uh, uh, a 1985 928S2, and by the time I was done, and to my knowledge, I was the only person who who did this. I actually had one of each of the five different versions. Oh my gosh! Of the 928 that Porsche ever produced. Wow. Well, that's cool. Well, what's kind of interesting to me, and of course, the collector car market is on fire right now, is these have kind of come back as cars people want now, and for a long time they didn't because they were very expensive to fix. They were yeah. They were kind of persnickety. You know, they were a challenging car to own if you were going to drive it very much. But now you see prices coming up on those things. And if you've ever driven one, you kind of realize why they're very nice to drive. And I'm not tall like you, so I can fit in any car. That's one of the advantages I have. But I would think, yeah, that was designed more as a grand touring car for the gentleman, yeah. you know, the businessman. Yeah. So that's why they would make it. So a guy like six five, man, that's you're tall. Yeah. See, a lot of cars you can't fit in for sure. And uh, to, to this day, it's still the best highway car I've ever driven. Oh, yeah, I can see why. Yeah, and very fast, too. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. Otherwise, we're going to talk Porsches for a half hour here. Chris Pichet is the founder of Smart AI, a company making safety the number one priority with its line of software cameras for transportation, serving as the leader in AI camera and enablement software. Smarter AI products enable any camera network with precision AI for trusted data and decision making. Chris is a computer scientist and technology entrepreneur and an expert in distributed networking, scalable video and computer vision technologies. BlackBerry licensed technology from Chris's company for their smartphones to enable voice and video calls and integrated that technology into their devices. He's created services for AT&T, the television industry, BBM, video, polyvideo, and stunt turn ice. And Chris was awarded the best of internet world, Canada's top young leader and top 40 under 40. Congratulations. Very cool. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our valued sponsor. So give them a little listen and we'll be right back. We're going AI today. I love Covercraft's new five-layer all-climate cover. It was developed and engineered for anything Mother Nature can throw our way. It's very soft, breathable, and easy to store and pampers your paint and interior surfaces, providing maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guards for windy conditions for extra protection. Their five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with a quality and attention that's been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and water craft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just type in the word yeah, Y-E-A-H, 2-1 at checkout, yeah, 21 at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. 
Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my Orange Crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. So, Chris, let's go a little deeper into this company you formed because this is fascinating. Things are going so fast with automotive technology and the kind of technology you provide is really all about safety. And I want you to dive into the different categories because as I go on your website, I see not only dash cams, which are incredibly valuable for safety reasons, and you've added some services there, but also biothermal cameras, body cameras, uh, shelf cameras, security cameras. And if there's one thing that a friend of mine who was a lawyer said, you know, the worst witness is an eyewitness because they were there, but they don't remember anything accurately. But cameras record everything the way it really happened. So how did you start in this industry with this particular business? Because you've been a tech guy forever. And then we'll dive into some of the details of the products you produce. Sure. So Smarter AI is a software platform for AI cameras. Uh, I founded the company about three years ago now, but really the idea goes back to my, uh, you know, to my time at BlackBerry. So I was very fortunate to have played a, a small part uh, in the development of the very first BlackBerry smartphone. So this is around the time that iPhones were coming on the scene. Um, and essentially what Apple and BlackBerry uh, and others were doing at the time is they were taking the phone experience, which previously, if you think back to the Nokia's and the Motorola flip phones that we were all using about 10 years ago. Yep. Everybody had the same phone and each of our phones were doing exactly the same things, making calls and sending and receiving texts, right? With a smartphone, all of a sudden, you know, you and I and everybody else could pick and choose, download different apps based on, uh, you know, the kind of work that we do and how we wanted to use our phones to help us in our jobs based on personal interests that we have, whether it's cars or, you know, or something else. Um, and this turned out to be, um, you know, a really powerful feature that led to the, the disruption of the, you know, the entire phone market. Oh, yeah. Uh, to the point where today we've got, you know, something like in the high 80s, uh, 80-something percent of Android penetration and, you know, 10 or 12 percent of, uh, of iOS and iPhone penetration into the, into the phone market. And so about uh, three years ago, when I started Smarter AI, I started with the idea that what had happened 10 years ago in the phone market was about to happen in the camera market. And so as, as you mentioned, uh, you know, a camera records everything. That's absolutely true. But a camera 
a legacy camera that is understands absolutely nothing. So it records everything, understands nothing. And my idea when I started Smarter AI was that we were on the verge of a technology transformation in cameras, similar to what happened several years ago in phones. And uh, all of a sudden, instead of understanding nothing and recording everything, cameras would be able to understand everything and deliver notifications based on different events uh, you know, that, that, that are happening around a camera. And in the same way that the software platforms, iOS and later Android, were uh, basically the enablement software and now the ecosystems for smartphones, uh, I thought that there was a similar uh, need and a similar opportunity in cameras for a software platform that would enable customers like you and me to download different AI models to understand uh, you know, different things happening around a camera, whether it's in the context of transportation or one of the other industries that you've mentioned. Wow. So give me an example of what that would mean, let's say, in a dash cam for, for driving. Right. So typically, an AI dash cam is going to be equipped with two imagers and several sensors. So uh, two imagers, so one facing the road, one facing the cabin or the driver. And then, uh, you know, some typical sensors like an accelerometer, uh, a gyrometer, that location sensor, that sort of thing. And what an AI dash cam can do is by combining the different imager inputs, so understanding what's happening around the vehicle, what's happening inside of the vehicle, and taking that sensor information, you know, the, the acceleration of the vehicle, location of the vehicle, and so forth. We can use that information, uh, you know, first of all, in real time to encourage safer driving. And we can also use that information in the aggregate, uh, you know, to train or to coach drivers to drive more safely. Um, and maybe even somebody like your friend, the lawyer, could use that information if a vehicle was involved in an incident, or maybe if a vehicle was near to an incident. You know, we could use the information that had been understood and recorded by the camera. We could use that information to understand more about what had happened and why it had happened. Yeah, you know, one of the things that your company sent to me was uh, 2021, the National NHTSA, National Health what does that stand for? NHTSA. Uh, transportation. Transportation. The T is for transportation. There we go. Yes. Okay. Safety. So, safety. Yeah, safety and transportation. That's right. So the NHTSA said that 8,730 people died in motor vehicle crashes in the first three months of that year in the United States. And I'm going, that is a lot of people. And one of the ways that you're working with your smarter AI technology is to help decrease that. And you touched on a couple of things in that conversation, because those of us who are like diehard car guys, car gals, we kind of say, I don't want anybody telling me how to drive. I know how to drive. What are you talking about? But those of us who maybe are good drivers, or we think we are, and we go out on the roads and we're surrounded by a whole lot of people that are not so good or worse, they're completely attention deficit because they're looking at their phones or having a conversation or eating a hamburger or putting their makeup on or brushing their teeth or shaving. Yep. So you've got all these things. Well, I've seen it. We all have it. Like, seriously, you're shaving in your car? You, you couldn't have gotten up five minutes earlier? So 
the things that you're doing, uh, describe some examples of how you could help reduce the number of deaths, because that's really the most important thing here. Not only the maybe the impaired driver, but also the person that he hits. Right. So, yeah, um, you're absolutely right. There are about 3000 traffic deaths uh, per month in the United States. And you touched on, uh, you know, some of the some of the leading causes uh, you know, for, for you know, for the accidents that are that are leading to these deaths, we like to think about it in in two categories. We like to think about what you described as distracted driving, and we also like to think about complacent driving. And ironically, the you know a couple of the big drivers for distracted and complacent driving are other technologies themselves. And so you mentioned cell phones. We've all you know we've all seen it. Yeah. One thing you didn't touch on, though, but it, it is also a growing problem, is complacent driving as a result of driver assistance systems or over-reliance on driver assistance systems. So we've all read about, we've all read stories about people that uh, uh, maybe they've got a Tesla equipped with autopilot and they take that opportunity to catch up on their Netflix or their YouTube <laughs> or their, or, you know, or their <laughs> video games, whatever it is. Yeah. So these problems of uh, distracted and complacent driving are growing. And also, Mark, if you think about what's happened in um, in the United States and around the world in the last couple of years post-COVID, we've seen a growth in transportation as a service. We've seen a growth in the number of commercial vehicles that are on the road. So people are staying home more, ordering, you know, Uber Eats. Amazon is delivering more, that sort of thing. And so there's been a real growth in the number of commercial drivers that are on the road, uh, particularly in urban areas in the United States. And many of these new commercial drivers lack previous commercial driving uh, experience. Right. And so see, these, these are some of the drivers of the problem. Now, what can AI cameras and what can smarter AI do about this? Well, essentially, we can do, we can do a couple of things. Um, with one of our cameras installed in a car, whether that would be a dash cam or an OEM camera that was you know, designed and built into the vehicle by the manufacturer. But in either case, if one of our cameras is built into the car, you know, based on the camera, again, understanding what's happening around the vehicle, what's happening inside of the vehicle, we can deliver alerts to the driver in real time. You know, for example, the vehicle is moving uh, 60 miles an hour, this might be a good time to put your phone down. Yeah, maybe. For example, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> right. And uh, again, you know, we can we can aggregate all of this data and use it, uh, you know, for training and coaching drivers to be more safe. Yeah, absolutely. Now, your your systems have things like what you call DMS, uh, driver monitoring systems, uh, ADAS, advanced driver assistance systems, um, sure. and then also OTAs. What are OTAs? Ah, uh, OTAs, o- over the air, over the air updates. Okay, there you go. So in the same way that uh, I'm not sure if you're an Android or an iOS guy. Oh, I'm Apple man. I drank the you're Apple juice a long time ago. All right. So in the same way that uh, Apple from time to time will send you software updates, 
And in the same way that um, whatever apps you've got installed in your phone, you'll get updates for those as well. And over time, you can you know pick and choose new apps that you want to download onto your phone. The same thing is true uh, with our software platforms and cameras based on our software platform. So we can you know we can uh, update uh, you know things as uh, uninteresting as uh, let's say security patches. But we can also update uh, really interesting things like we can give, for example, your camera the ability to listen to what's happening inside of the cabin. Very cool. So one of the things that comes to mind is you see these horrible videos on YouTube of accidents where there's ice involved and cars just keep sliding into cars and trucks sliding in and yeah it's just horrible you watch it and you're like stop i was just thinking that what you were talking about wouldn't it be wonderful if this device could warn me a mile up ahead there are accidents or cars crashing because there's ice on the road or you know because a lot of those people drive into that not knowing what's coming either it's foggy or it's a snowy day or night or something and all of a sudden they're in the ice so there's all sorts of different things that we could be alerted to that could help us and essentially save our lives, right? Sure. Well, we can actually do that and we can even do uh, we can even take that one step further. So we can certainly alert drivers about uh, you know things that are happening around the vehicle um, and so a driver can take uh, you know appropriate steps to mitigate or avoid a potential problem. Um, in the case of something like ice on, on a road, or even a pothole in a road, you know, that's something that um, we can alert the appropriate uh, city government about. Mm. Right? And so one of the one of the one of the use cases or applications of cameras like ours is um, uh, well, I'm from Canada. We call it winter operations. <laughs> okay. You probably have you probably uh, I don't know maybe you have summer operations down in California. I'm not sure, but in Canada we have you know we uh, obviously have a lot of snow and ice on the roads. Right. So uh, city governments can use our cameras to uh, obviously identify you know the best places where they should be deploying their road you know their road safety crews to get the ice off the oh, road yeah, to salt yeah. the road you know to eliminate not just avoid but actually uh, you know eliminate the problem brilliant i love it we're going to take a short break and we come back i want to talk a little bit about challenges because you're dealing with tech you're dealing with a moving targets all the time not only the cars obviously as moving targets or not targets but just tech in general so keep that thought in mind and we'll be right back you listeners know that I'm a huge car care fanatic, and my friends at AutoGeek created their Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant for perfectionists like you and me. Wolfgang a Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is designed to provide long-lasting protection and a glossy, slick finish that, well, it's unmatched. The use of polymer technology ensures your paint is protected from environmental contaminants, those damaging UV rays, and lasts up to three months long. By providing the glossy look of carnauba wax with the longevity of a synthetic formula, Wolfgang a Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is the best of both worlds. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, Will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. 
The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So let's talk about this challenge issue. What you're doing, creating new technology is certainly challenging. Is there Something that comes to mind is you're develop, you've developed smarter AI that really was something that kind of pushed back hard on you, but you overcame it. And more importantly, what was that that lesson learned with that aspect of that challenge? You know, in terms of the, you know, in terms of lessons learned, Mark, I, I would just share that um, it's like it's like our parents told us when we were growing up. Uh, you know, anything that's worth accomplishing in life is going to take you know going to take some hard work. Yeah. And uh, so that's certainly true of smarter AI. I'm sure it's true of of your business, and I'm sure for anybody who's listening, um, you know that that's probably something that uh, that we all have in common. You know, the one thing that I've learned, and the one piece of advice that I would pass along is it's really important to choose something that you're passionate about. If your your job or your business is something that you're passionate about, then um, you know as you as you as you encounter uh, challenges along the way, as you inevitably will, uh, you know that passion is gonna is gonna drive your uh, your determination to uh, push through and overcome those challenges. Well, of course, absolutely. Your products are they available to the consumer now to install into their vehicles? Uh, no, so we don't sell directly to consumers. Um, our products are available through fleet management companies, so fleet management service providers, mm-hmm. and also through telematics service providers, and also through telcos. Telco. Now, I don't know what that is. What is that? Sorry, telephone operators. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. All right. Car- carriers, mobile carriers. Mobile carriers. There you go. All right. Well, I got to learn all the acronyms here. That's I'm learning every day when I talk to, to people that are in uh, worlds way outside of my spectrum. So I think that's pretty cool. Well, you know, these are wonderful things. And I've had friends that have bought these devices and put them in their vehicles and they've been interesting. And we all see, again, YouTube's a great experience of what people have taken pictures of. And uh, in some cases, they're little snapshots and you don't know what happened before and after. So they're very biased. But if anything, what you're providing us is not only safety, but uh, a recording of what really, really happened, which I think is more important, especially if you're trying to talk to your insurance company and explain that that tree really did step out in front of my car. Uh, (laughs) It was a tree that fell off a logging truck. I promise you, it wasn't just a tree in the ground. But, you know, with your business right now, still a young company, what's on your bucket list for the next, let's say, two to three years? Our mission is to eliminate traffic fatalities. Wow, that's a big, bold mission. Yep. Yeah, I think the first step there is get people out of cars, but that's not going <laughs> to happen, right? Because they tend to be the reason all these things happen. But uh, that is a very big, as uh, Jim Collins would say, in good to great, hairy, audacious goal. But that's the kind of goal to, to put out there in front of you, right? Yep. Yeah, well, bravo. That would be great. And uh, no doubt what you're doing is, you know, you said something that's, I had never thought about this, but with COVID having hit us and all these online shipments just exploding, you know, this definitely benefited 
that type of industry and, and plenty of other industries as well. Uh, but you see a lot of these people driving these vehicles that you're right, have never been in that kind of business before and are on, you know, they're driving big vans. Maybe they're not used to driving big vans. And I don't know how much training a lot of these companies give drivers. Let's say the U.S. Postal Service. Do they give them training on driving when they drive, you know, things around? But UPS, you, so that is something I hadn't thought about. You've got a lot of people that are maybe not as skilled. And on top of that, they're looking for addresses and streets and distracted in a variety of different ways, right? Right. That's right. And so that's, and that's where, uh, you know, that's where our technology comes in. We can give these companies the tools to train their drivers, not only, let's say at the beginning, when they're, when they're taking the job and making the first deliveries or, you know, doing the first little bit of driving, but they can actually use our technology on an ongoing basis to, uh, you know, continuously train their drivers, train their fleets. Well, I think it's awesome. I love everything you're doing. Let's talk a little bit about your passion for cars. Now, you spoke at the beginning about the Porsche 928. I'm still thinking about that, that, you know, you're at this young age and you were importing these things from Japan. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty cool. But of course, I kind of like Porsches a little bit, kind of a lot. Is there a first vehicle in your life that really stands out for you or any vehicle that's been special to you? And if so, tell us a story about that ride. My favorite car that I've ever owned is still probably my first Porsche. So it was a 1985 928 S2 5-speed, which I imported from, I can't remember if it was Osaka or Tokyo, but I imported it from somewhere in Japan. And um, Mark, it was, um, was, uh, at the same time, it was such a difficult car to drive so you know five speed stick shift i think the car weighed about four thousand pounds so it was not you know it was not an easy car to drive but at the same time if you if you could master driving it uh, like i said today i i have um you know it's still by far the best highway car that uh, that i've ever driven how old were you at that time I would have been in my mid-20s. I'm going to say 26 or 27 years old. Okay. The thing about those cars, they had a lot of power, a lot of horsepower. Yeah, just over 300. So uh, they were a very powerful car. But I'll tell you, I drove my first one as part of a Porsche driving experience in San Diego. I was invited. I don't know why they thought I could afford a Porsche 928, (laughs) but uh, they brought all the Porsche models there. And uh, one of the great things was they had these driving instructors that they paired you up with for the day to drive the cars. And my guy was Vic Elford. Now, Vic Elford, obviously, you know, Porsche race car driver, back to the first early 911s racing in uh, uh, across Europe and so forth. I couldn't believe my luck that I had quick Vic next to me. But he told me that day, he said, Mark, do you like the new 928? Because it was fairly new at the time. And I said, no, I don't like it at all. And he said, well, why? And I told him and he said, well, at the end of the day, you're going to love this car. I promise you. I said, all right, well, we'll see. And he was right. He was right. I was really impressed with that car. And the funny thing is you look at that car today, it looks so tiny because all the cars have gotten so big, right? Sure. At the time, it was huge, yeah, though. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think I think for um, probably depends on where you live and where you're driving. But if you're if you were driving around a city, it may not have been the quickest or the, you know, the, the, the best car for city driving. But if you're fortunate enough to have the opportunity to drive on a on a highway, it was a great car. Well, they the day we were there was at the Jack Murphy Stadium, and they'd set up the parking lot as a autocross course, if you will, but they also let us do some high-speed runs, heavy braking, 
And then we got to go out on the freeway for a little loop. So we got to experience, and we did that with all the different models at the time, 944s, the uh, Porsche 911s, the turbo model, uh, all those cars. But I, I was really, I, I liked that thing when I got out of it. I looked at it through different eyes when I stepped out, which was interesting to me because I'm a design guy. Uh, so I, I kind of fell in love with it then. So I've always thought of them, uh, especially when they have those Pasha seat inserts that look like psychedelic 70s LSD trip or something. So... Yeah, pretty cool. So I'm going to be your car psychologist and get into your head a little bit here, Chris. All right? Okay. All right. If you were a vehicle, you were manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive the man in the mirror, what would you be? More importantly, why? I'm going to go with my 928. So I might not be the I might not be the quickest off the blocks, but I'm going to I'm going to get there in the end. Well, it also here's the way I put it. You're a very technically savvy guy. I mean, you're a really smart dude as far as I'm concerned with the kind of stuff that you're creating. And the 928 was very um, advanced for its time. When you look at that vehicle. that's Yeah, yeah that's true. It right? was. Even though it was yeah. still analog back in those days. But uh, it had a lot of tricky, techy stuff. That's probably what made it so challenging to work on and to repair because it was very sophisticated. And there was, uh, my understanding back then was there were very few mechanics that really could figure out how to work on those things. Well, not only that, but you had to, it was designed in such a way that, and you mentioned about the engine being in the front. You had to remove the engine from the car to get access to, you know, all, you know, almost anything. So, yeah, uh, even the most routine maintenance used to run me fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars. Well, it's a lot like Ferraris. You know, they used to have to take engines out of Ferraris to do oil changes and things. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, so uh, kind of crazy. You know, I like to ask people how they like to help and give back. I, I see a huge way that your whole company is about helping people and saving lives. I mean, your, your mantra, your 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 slogan is saving people's lives. Is that is that your perception of this question? Yeah, that's exactly it. So our our mission is to make uh, you know is to make transportation safer mitigate against complacent and distracted driving and make the roads a safe place for, you know, for all of us and, uh, and our families, of course. Thank you. We need that. When you look at those numbers of how many people are injured and then people whose lives are lost, that's a lot of people uh, that could be uh, perhaps uh, avoided in many, many ways. How about a great book? Is there a book you'd like to share with us that you've enjoyed? Well, there was a great book that was turned into a, a movie uh, that I saw a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah? Uh, the movie was called Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it. Yep. I can't remember the title of the book, but I read the I read the book before I watched the movie. Well, I'll tell you, the title of that book is Go Like Hell. and it's That's by, it, yes. And it was written by A.J. Bame, who's been a guest twice here on Cars, yeah. A.J. Has wrote that book, and he also wrote some wonderful books, one about uh, World War II and how the automotive industry came to the defense of the United States to build for the war effort and so forth. He's also written some other great car books. So, yeah, that's, that's the guy, and that's the book. You can go back and listen to my talk with A.J. It was quite fascinating, but the movie was cool. I think that's actually one of the lines, uh, one of the quotes from his book is uh, Henry Ford II, when he uh, was preparing to go to Le Mans, he said this was the, the second time that he was going to go to war in Europe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. And of course, those uh, words, go like hell, were Carol Shelby's words uh, at the end of one of the races, telling the driver to stand on it. We're going to beat these guys. So uh, much to the chagrin of uh, the Ford executives who didn't want to damage the car. So yeah, that was a great one. I thought they did a pretty good job with that movie. And I, when I first saw who they had picked to be uh, Carol Shelby, I kind of went, oh, come on. But that's because I've known about Carol Shelby. I've met him several times when he was still with us. But I thought that actor did a great job. 
Yeah, good book and uh, and good movie. Absolutely. So I'm going to allow you before I let you go to go on the ultimate drive today. I've got an open checkbook. I'm like for a, a young entrepreneur, I'm a dream come true because I'm that guy who's a venture capitalist who has all the money in the world. Whatever you'd like, okay? Yeah, dream come true, right? <laughs> yeah, can we talk after the talk? Again, this is the, the magical Cars Yeah Ultimate Drive. You can pick any car in the world. You can pick any person to be with, living or deceased, and you can be anywhere. So what does the Ultimate Drive look like for a guy like you who spent some time in some pretty cool cars? Okay, I want, uh, and actually, um, you know, maybe there's somebody who's listening to this that can, that can help me to... Uh, uh, you know, to actually make this happen. Okay. When I moved away from Canada, unfortunately, I left behind my uh, 928 collection. But so the car that I want, I want to replace my five-speed 928. So okay. I want a 928 five-speed. Uh, you know, the people uh, are going to be my wife and uh, my two daughters. And the place is going to be uh, sort of roughly between where you grew up and where you are now. So somewhere on the Pacific Coast Highway or the uh, Oregon Coast Highway. Highway one. Yeah. You know, wonderful drive. I've taken that drive many times. I uh, got to do some fun drives with the family, even rode my bike once uh, from the San Francisco area down to the Los Angeles area. Wonderful drive. Really fun. My son and I went on a drive from Long Beach, California, all the way up here in a Porsche 550 Spider. It was a, a replica, not a real one, built by uh, Chuck Beck, who's been a guest on the show. But that trip was absolutely delightful. So you're going to have fun in that uh, beautiful 928 uh, with your wife and daughters. And there's little seats in the back. Hopefully your daughters are not too grown up. They're still small. Well, there's the well, yeah. So they're still four years old. So okay, uh, I, that's think, perfect. I think I think they'll fit back there for a couple more years. Just enough to tap the backs of the seat with the bottom of their feet. So there you yes, go. Yes, that's right. You know, this has been really fun, Chris, and I'm so excited that I. I have been able to talk with you and, and what you're doing is fantastic in so many different levels. It's interesting. It's fascinating, but it's, it's very thoughtful in the mantra you have of saving lives. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some words of wisdom, inspiration, or a mantra? Whatever you do in life, it's important to, uh, it's important to choose something that you're passionate about. If you choose something that you're passionate about, you're going to be successful and you're going to make a positive difference in the world. Absolutely. That's what Cars yeah is all about, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And you certainly have been one of those today, my friend. So I appreciate your time. How can people learn more about your company? Uh, well, they can go to our website, smarterai.camera. Uh, they can follow us on uh, Twitter, uh, at smarterai.camera. Um, and then if anybody listening uh, has a line on a nice uh, five-speed 928, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at uh, Twitter or Instagram at RealChrisPichet. You know what? I think you might get some answers to that one because I've certainly got lots of listeners from all over the world uh, who are into the Porsche Mark. So you never know. You may be inundated. I hope so. But uh, you heard it. Any of you guys out there or gals have a 928? You got a guy who's looking for one. So there you go. Five you, speed. But got to be a five speed. Gotta Absolutely. Got to be a five speed. I understand. Yeah. You know, my 87 is a four speed. And uh, while here in the state of Washington, they are very, very strict about speeding. So having that fifth speed would be useless here because I'd be so far over the speed limit, they'd take me to jail. But uh, yeah, that fifth speed is nice to keep the revs down a little bit and have that touring speed where it's not so loud, uh, most definitely for sure. Listeners, you can find everything on Chris's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Very easy to find. Chris Pichet, P-I-C-A. 
T-H-E, and you can find everything there. I encourage you to check out what he's up to. And I want to do a thank you shout out to Haley at the Red Rooster PR for introducing me to Chris. Thank you, Haley. Nice job. Chris, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing Smarter AI. Very cool what you guys are doing there. Until you and I talk again or I visit you there in Las Vegas, I'll see you down the road. Thanks for having me, Mark. You're welcome. This was fun. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.